morning, I'd invite you to look with me to Romans 13. Now, Pastor Mary mentioned that if you grab hold of one of those sheets that have all of the readings for Advent through the lectionary, you can get them there. I happen to find out a way to actually download it on my phone so my calendar pops up with the readings of that day, which I'm kind of liking. I'm just reading through them. But if you take the discipline of reading through those passages, you will land on the texts that we'll be looking at and preaching from. Children up to second grade, you may be dismissed. Some of them are just looking at me like going, and what's, what's the deal here, Pastor Jeff? But I would invite you to look at those um, scripture readings, and as you travel through that, and we as a people travel together, maybe that's the most important thing, is that we as a people will travel together through the scripture and be formed by the scripture. But let me just say this, it, it is no secret, I think, to this congregation at this juncture, that I love these weeks that are before Christmas Day. I love Advent. When we say Advent, we automatically think that we're talking about Christmas, but, but hold on. I love Advent. And here's why. Maybe it's my, uh, how my favorite Advent author, Fleming Rutledge, describes it. She gives language for my affection for this season. She says, Advent is where we live, work, play, laugh, struggle, and die. Advent is the time between, between the first coming of Christ and the second coming, between the darkness and the dawn, between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of our Lord. We live in that place. We, we live in what is and what is yet to be. We, we live in the, in, the, in the light and the knowledge that Christ came and we, we live with the hope that He's going to come again and make all things right. We live in the space between. We live there with longing and we live there with wonder. And we live there with struggle. We grow in our anticipation for born is the King, and we look to that manger, and we, we begin this season when we're anticipating that. But there's a deeper longing, a much deeper longing, buried in the heart of every person who's part of the people of light of Christ's church that's been there since his first coming. And that's that Jesus is going to come again and make all things right. And I long for that. Some days I long for that so much more than others. I am longing for that this Advent so deeply. I love Advent. But what do we do with that? Oh, come let us adore him, we sang. And right away we sing that and that transports us to Christmas. But those lyrics are not intended, never were intended, for just simply warming the heart and giving us a holiday glow, they are actually a call to action. The action that Advent invites us to. Jesus said that he wanted true worshipers, worshipers who would worship in the spirit and in truth. People who worship from the depth of who they are and the truth of whose they are. 
People who worship from the depth of who God is and the truth about who he is. You see, that's adoring. Adoration springs from the deep places of the soul. Come, let us adore him changes us. And not just stirs our emotions or satisfies our preferences for whatever we want in terms of songs or singing or worship. It means an encounter with the living God that's intended to change us. And then to live in union with Jesus where our daily purpose is to praise, love, and serve God. So in this season of longing and desire, we want God to come. We want God to make himself known. Make himself known in our lives. Because as we long for God's coming, every day and whatever tomorrow's day brings, we are called to make choices that orient our hearts and lives to his coming. Choices. Hope. Peace. Joy. Love. Choices. Those are Advent words. Those are the themes of Advent. We recently have made a decision to finish a project we started a few years ago. It started with one word, and that was the word joy. And we took wooden letters and we put lights around it and we, I screwed it into our porch. <laughs> so that when our neighbors would go by, they'd see joy. We did that at the start of the pandemic. But it seems like the Lord's been tapping on our hearts to finish that project. And so today, this past week, got out the drill, did some work, and now screwed into our porch is hope. And next week's going to be peace. And then joy again. And then love. Because those are the things that we need to choose when we walk in Advent, when we live in Advent in a world like ours. So we want to be reminded of that. So when you go by my house, if you're wondering why 31 Ferry Road is lighting up all of Ferry Road, that's why. But the problem with those words in our culture is that they can be viewed as soft. They can be viewed as passive. They can be maybe even dismissed. Minimizing evil or just good feelings but they're actually words of strength and power and confidence and especially courage. They change everything when they're sourced in the salvation that we find in Jesus. These are words of living when anchored in the God whom we adore. But I'd like us to begin with maybe what is the most courageous word. The word we need in a world that seems like it has gone off the rails, and that is the word hope. Because you know what? You need hope. We all need hope. Take away hope, and it's like starving the lungs of oxygen. The lungs will suffocate, and the person will die. 
starve the soul of hope and it will suffocate and it too will die. The world we live in can certainly be a hope robber. So ask yourself a question. Let us do ourselves a favor and ask ourselves, where is hope being stolen from us? How are we allowing that? Here's a question. Am I finding hope rising within me by what I hear on the news and fixating on that? Or hope rising within me by what I read on social media? Or hope rising within me by when I scroll Instagram? You know, there's only so many cute kitten videos that can mask the ache in the world. Amen. Amen. Only so many. But Jesus described himself this way. Jesus said, in his name the nations will put their hope. You see, hope is not by chance. We must put hope somewhere. We must choose hope. Hope needs awakening within us, and Advent calls us to this choice. I asked you to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 13. It is the book of Romans more than any other book in the New Testament that lists the word hope. More than any other book. But that word is actually absent from the text we're going to look at today. And yet, we find hope offered to us at its deepest, most granular, pedestrian, earthly impact. But to help us get there, we need to look at the words that happen right before the text we're going to focus on. Looking at Romans 13, beginning with verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Say that with me. Love does no harm to a neighbor, no matter who the neighbor is. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Wow. I love that. Now, read those words. Now, picture a world. Imagine it. Use that gift of creative imagination, or as Walter Brueggemann called it, the prophetic imagination. Use that gift to imagine a world like this. Picture a world. Picture a city. Picture a family. Picture a church. Resolute on living those words. And you know what? These words, these change lives. They change family histories. They change neighborhood dynamics. Picture a world that refuses to accept dehumanizing divisions. That refuses to dismiss racial injustice. Where life is actually sacred from the womb to the tomb. And because we believe that is true, that life is so sacred, it is seen in the ways in which we treat our greatest enemies and our most strident opponents. That's the vision of this world. But here's the question. 
why is why are we to be such a force for God's goodness wherever we find ourselves? Why are we supposed to live Romans 12, 8 through 10? Why? Well, Paul's next words help us see. He help us, helps us see that hope is not some pie-in-the-sky musing, not some vision of the world through rose-colored glasses. In fact, Hope is courageous and powerful. He helps us see it's a real-life choice in the words that follow. Beginning with verse 11, he talks about, you know, love. No debt remains outstanding except love. Make sure you love your neighbor. And he says, and do this. Why do we do this? And this is what he says. Understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. But hope doesn't seem to appear. And yet, this passage brims with hope. Verse 11, understanding the present time the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. You know that part when you get up in the morning when it's a new day and you're kind of you're still rubbing the sleep out of your eyes and you finally you get down and you got your jammies on and you're looking for your cup of coffee and you're you sit down and you're looking out and the sun's just cresting this morning. I was looking out our kitchen window and I could see through the woods the sun just cresting. That time, it's time to get up. Wake up. Here's the challenge of this season. You see, we think we're into Christmas. Our sanctuary is beautifully decorated thanks to the leadership of Michelle Govera and a team of people that did this. Thank you. And it looks like Christmas. But you see, Christmas can lull us to sleep. This is why we need Advent. Christmas can lull us to sleep in the cry for more, in the accumulation of credit card debt, in the breakneck pace of celebrating the holidays, going at a breakneck speed. But now here, when we come to this passage and when we come to the season of Advent, we're invited to a different pace and a different perspective. We're invited to slow it down. We're invited to take our time. And here's why. Because hope takes time to ponder, to wonder, to choose. And hope says, understand the present time. You see, Hope, first of all, invites us to wake up to the world around us. And as we wake up to the world around us, recognize how it does not offer us hope. 
recognize in what ways it fails to offer us hope. He says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. You see, when we slow down in Advent, when we take our time, not just in Advent, but in any season, our awareness of the darkness around us and maybe within us grows. Sometimes the Christmas spirit, as we commercialize it in our world, tends to numb us. Sometimes it seems to me that Christmas becomes a drug of choice that leads us to be numb to the darkness. We just want the light. But how can we distinguish the light when we don't know what the darkness is? You see, Paul lists some choices we are tempted, we are all tempted to make. We need to look at ourselves, he's basically saying to us. Are there places where I've chosen the darkness of sexual immorality? Or a harsh and angry spirit? Or a selfishness? Or a distance from God that darkens my soul? Are there places like that? that that's what he's saying. And here's where hope requires courage. Remember my friend, I call her my friend, Fleming Rutledge. I've never met her, but I've, I love her book. I read it every Advent. She says, and just hear these words. It's not going to be on the slide. It requires courage to look into the heart of darkness, especially when we are afraid we might see ourselves there. See, that's why it's so easy to look at the world and blame the world for all the problems. Because we can deflect away from ourselves. She goes on and she says, the authentically hopeful Christmas spirit has not looked away from the darkness, but straight into it. Otherwise, the message is cheap and false. So it's got to start with me examining my own heart. And then you add to that, pandemics and addictions and shootings and political extremism and climate change and financial collapse and crime and inequality and global conflicts. Darkness. And if we let them, they'll rob hope because they will rob us of the life-giving union we have with Jesus. But darkness is not just obvious sins or dark secrets. Sometimes it's the little ways we detach from God. Sometimes it's the choices we make to not make a choice for Him. The small compromises that leave distance from God's presence. Attitudes I nurture that feed pride or elitism. They're subtle. But these two, they, they rob us of joy and they, and they will just shut the spigot of hope off. Now think of the ways the world promises something it cannot deliver, hope. Think about the different ways. This season, you're going to be promised something that the world can't deliver, hope. Now, right about this time in this sermon, you're going, holy smokes, pastor, this is not a hopeful message. But we all must ask, 
What am I allowing to be a hope robber? What am I allowing to steal hope in my life? Earlier in Romans, Paul says this, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Amen? So what am I allowing my mind to be governed by? So this all leads to the fact that we all have a choice to make when we encounter the darkness, whether the darkness of evil and sin or the darkness of whatever's happening in my heart or the darkness of crushing events and conditions in our world that create anxiety and stress and fear, things that are beyond our control. Advent invites us to a second choice, and it's this. We have the choice to wake up to the hope that is Jesus. Brother Todd Blackman writes, this is what makes our lives of faith a journey, a pilgrimage, and I love this, rather than a bunker defense strategy. Too often as Christians, we decide we have to bunker down, we have to hunker down, we've got to protect ourselves from the world. But Paul says our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. I think of an annual, what's become an annual ritual for I don't know how many years now. The spot is called Land's End, Bailey Island in Maine. And if you go to Land's End, it affords you an unobstructed view of the eastern horizon. And for I don't know how many years, it's a ritual, nearly a religious ritual. In fact, it probably is. With that unobstructed view, I wait. I perform this ritual dozens of times, but every brisk late August morning I do it, I stare to the east. And it happens every time. My heartbeat increases a little bit. I get a little excited. I catch my breath as I wait. And I wait for dawn over that eastern horizon. That space, you know, between the darkness to the west, it's pitch black to the west, and the sun that's giving birth to a new morning. It's between all that. And just before the sun crests, that's the best part. You know, it's, the sun is cool when it comes up. But it's just before the sun crests. The sky explodes with color that even this colorblind guy can see. And I'm left breathless every time. But that beauty, that beauty that's filling the sky says something. It says something's coming. Samantha Chambo writes in the devotional book that Pastor Mary talked to us about, dawn is the time between day and night and in between time that erupts with hope. Life in union with Jesus Christ, my friends, is waiting. Waiting for the God we know who will come. And again, Fleming Rutledge helps me understand that 
Dawn is the best metaphor for Advent when she says, this is the special atmosphere of Advent, a sense that something portentous, something significant is approaching us. We are not approaching it. This is not our journey to God, but God's journey to us. How hopeful that is. What are you waiting for? Jesus has come. In him, we believe and are saved. We believe Jesus came as Messiah. He came as Savior. And we believe in him and we're saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I invite you to believe on Jesus. We believe he has come. We believe Jesus is coming again to make all things right. And so we wait with the anticipation, Pastor Mary, that you just read to us. But Jesus also comes in your life and in my life, into whatever darkness you are beating against, what is the darkness that you may be beating against? As Carlo Corretto said, God comes to us like the sun in the morning when it is his time. Every time I go to that eastern edge and look to that sunrise, you know what I can't do? I can't control the time frame. I can't make the sun come up sooner. Come on, son, I want to go get a scone. Come on, I want, to go, I want to get an egg sandwich. You know, at that little cafe. Come on, they're open. Don't you know that? I can't do that. The sun comes on its time and is always on time. God comes in his time. And he's always on time. And so we wait for him, we long for him, we look for him to come. It might not feel like he comes, but he always comes. If you've never read the book A Grace Disguised by Jerry Sitzer, you do yourself a favor and read that, maybe even grab it this, this season. He recounts the most unthinkable darkness that struck the heart of his soul. When in 1991 he was driving in his minivan with his family through the rural roads of Idaho, and that minivan was struck head-on by a drunk driver. His mother Grace, his wife Linda, his four-year-old daughter Diana Jane, Perished in that accident. They died. Sitzer was plunged into a great darkness. And he writes this about his darkness and about any darkness. When we feel that hope has been sucked out of the room of the soul. He says the darkness comes no matter how hard we try to hold it off. That's part of living in Advent. Darkness comes no matter how hard we try to hold it off. And he says, however, we must face it. Darkness comes. A gunman slaughters five in a nightclub in Colorado Springs. Seven are gunned down in a Walmart. Two college campuses experienced murder in the last two weeks. That's just the last week. Or and someone drove a car through an Apple store in Hingham and kill the construction worker. That, that's just the news the last week or so. What about some other things we know about, like a hurricane sweeps in and sweeps away 
a family member's dreams. Family divisions during the holidays suck the life out of life. The doctor says that the treatment is going to be more extensive than they thought. They found more. The depression sticks to you like glue. You can't shake it. You see, the world Paul speaks of in this passage is a hope-sucking world that is marred by sin. As John Edward writes, human beings are like downed trees scattered here and there by the hurricanes of this world. We are upward. The world does violence to the soul in so many ways. And if we're not careful, we are pulled apart from God, down from the roots. So hear this message. Understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. To wake up to hope. To make a choice. You say, how can I make such a choice in a world like this? By the grace and the power of God, we can make that choice. Dawn is coming. And that's the message here. After his wife died, Jerry Sitzer had this dream. And I'm not sure if it was a recurring dream or not, but he had this dream where he was constantly chasing sunset. He was running after sunset, and he could never catch it. And the sun just kept going down, and he could not get hold of it. His sister, Diane, made a statement that I've never forgotten. The one thing I remember, maybe most even in some ways from his book. It gives language to us for the choice of hope. She said to her brother, Jerry, the quickest way to reach the sun in the light of day is not to run west, chasing after the setting sun, but to head east, plunging into the darkness until one comes to sunrise. How true that is for us, my friends. And here's why it's true. Because we serve the one, the Lord, who is the sun. Micah tells us that. I'm sorry, Malachi 4. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out the pasture. Jesus is our hope, and Jesus will bring healing to us in the world that we said a few weeks ago is like a savage. So hear this. Jesus is the dawn for your soul. Romans 13, 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You would never think of walking out of your whole house unclothed, undressed, at least I hope you wouldn't think that way. But every single day, you have a routine where you get dressed. Well, every single day, clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. Every single day, run to Jesus. Every single day, make space for him. Every single day, slow down to truly love and trust and be with Jesus. Now, some of you might say, well, Pastor Jeff, that's an exercise in stating the obvious to this crowd. 
I mean, we're a church that claims to follow Jesus, the hope of the world. We're going to sing about that all through Advent. But the question really is, I know we say that, but are you, am I, actually putting our hope in Jesus? Do I really believe hope has come in Jesus? That it does come in Jesus today, that it will come in Jesus How am I choosing to remember the hope we have in Jesus? Choose hope. Why is that so important beyond emotion? Because Scripture tells us we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It holds us steady in the storm. Peter writes, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming. Grace is coming to us, whether he comes to us in this time or the day when he returns. So clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, Advent reminds us that we need hope. And Advent reminds us that there is hope. There is hope. We don't find hope by ignoring the darkness. We don't find hope by trying to lull ourselves to sleep, becoming numb to the darkness. We do what our Savior did. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So we go to Jesus. That is why we sing these words. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. That's who Jesus is. As Brother Todd Blackman went on to write, we are on our way home and Christ is coming to meet us. This is the pilgrimage of our lives to God and being met by God. My friends, make no mistake about it, Jesus has come. And Jesus is coming again, but he comes right now. We're not to kind of wait for some great and glorious day that we want to fit our narrative. We are to let the living Christ and the power of the Spirit meet us right where we are now. That's what it means to wait. That's what it means to anticipate. Not to wait for some day out there, but when that alarm goes up in the morning, when you see the sun crest over that horizon tomorrow morning, that's when you go, he's coming to me right now. And that's what it means to wait. That's what it means to be on pilgrimage. He is coming right now. So uh, let me ask you, where is it that you need to welcome this invitation to hope, to make this choice? Where have you allowed the world's Christmas spirit to rob you of the eternal hope God offers? Where do you need Jesus to come right now in your life? You can't wait. You need him to come now. Where do you need to choose hope? Where do you need to choose Jesus today? You say, wait a minute, Pastor. I've been a Christian for 20 years. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about today. 
Where do you need to choose Jesus today? As we sing this great Advent hymn, this cry, come thou long expected Jesus. Where is it that you need Jesus to come? He is our hope. Thank you.